Welcome to Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. I'm Christy. And I'm Bill. We're husband and wife. We're also psychotherapists, spiritual directors, and the founders of Soul Shepherding. We're glad you've joined us on Soul Talks as we invite you into our home to share our hearts and our intimacy with Jesus in life, love, and leadership. I've been concerned for you because this week in the midst of a very full ministry, you were hit hard with this really miserable cold virus. Yeah, it was a bummer. Mm-hmm. You just seemed like you were really taken out with head poundings and aches and mucus. <laughs> yeah, and even as much as I was laid low, it was hard for me to admit that I couldn't go into work and care for those seven appointments with pastors mm-hmm. and then the, the group full of pastors was like 15 people. And I had to contact all of them with Mm-mm. text messages late at night and just say, I'm just not getting over this. This is just, I'm knocked out. I'm sorry. We'll have to reschedule. Yeah. That was disappointing for you. You enjoy mm-hmm. your work and you like to really participate with what God's doing and be there for people. You're looking forward to that. And... Yeah, I like to be reliable, even the, mm-hmm. the hero. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I'm the soul shepherd. I want to, want to, you know, be supportive and, you know. yeah. So are you discouraged? Well, yeah, it was, it was a little discouraging because I just felt like I had so much work to do. You know, I mean, in addition mm-hmm. to those appointments, we're pr- pretty backlogged on administrative things and leadership decisions and uh, things yeah. that uh, need to write. And, you know, most of it is, and I mean, not so much the administrative stuff, but everything else is stuff that I really enjoy and mm-hmm. thrive on doing. And so to just be sitting there not doing any of that, but, you know, it was a chance to practice what we talk about with the easy yoke of Jesus and resting in the Lord and, uh, you know, finding my meaning in him and my joy in the Lord. I didn't know that I did too well at drawing joy from the Lord though. (laughs) Well, I've been watching you and I I think you did. It seems like the discouragement hasn't won, won in the long run. Well, you know, it helped that you listen to me like you are now. And as I would just tell you how I felt. And of course you were, you know, wonderful supporting me and helping me in many ways. And I did find encouragement in the Lord, and a couple of ways I did that is one that I just I reminded myself of how I got sick in the first place. Mm. That, that happened in the context of my relationship with Brianna, because she got sick and I got it from her, and we'd had this special trip in Chicago, going to Wrigley Field to watch some Cubs games, because I grew up in Chicago, and they're having a, a great year this year, and we went and got... Uh, Chicago pizza, deep dish, gluten-free pizza. And, you know, we went, you know, touring the city and we just had so much fun and it was just really special. Maybe some of our friends are following us on Facebook and we would invite you to do that. If you follow Bill Galtier, you'll, you would have seen these pictures of Brianna and I, you know, just smiling and having so much enjoyment together. I sure enjoyed seeing those pictures and so happy for the two of you and the fun times you had together. Very special. And the other way I encouraged myself in the Lord was just to remind myself, well, you know, I mean, he's teaching me and this was, was good for me. I needed to set a boundary and I probably needed some downtime and to accept that and to practice the things that we teach in soul shepherding. Well, well done. Thanks, honey. Well, I've been thinking a lot about discouragement because we have the privilege of journeying with people who call out to us when they're discouraged. And the Lord has brought us quite a few young pastors and wives, pastor couples, you know, just starting out and they, they, you know, they graduate from seminary and they have all these 
dreams and aspirations and they feel like, you know, I've been training hard for this and now I'm in the game. You know, God's given me this ministry position. And so they start out with all this courage Mm -hmm. and high hopes and expectations and eagerness to serve God and do great things for him. And and then, unfortunately, we hear and we experienced ourselves when we were first starting out in ministry and sometimes when we still first start out with a new vision, discouragement. Oh, gosh, this is hard. This isn't what I thought it would be. I'm working so hard. I prepared so much for this. I'm giving my all, and I'm just, I'm not seeing the results that I had hoped for or expected, or it just feels like I'm failing. Yeah, we have an article on our Soul Shepherding website on discouraged pastors, and it gets a lot of traffic because there's just a lot of us in ministry, whether we're pastors or leaders of different kinds that get discouraged because of what you're talking about. And in fact, we cite a study where there was a a thousand pastors that were asked questions and half of those pastors felt very discouraged Mm -hmm. at the time of the study. Yeah. Well, and I was remembering back in our first year married as college pastors and the discouragement being so big and how I just thought about that in terms of, well, I guess I'm just Maybe I misheard God's call. Maybe I, we weren't called to really do this. And, well, I guess I'm just not cut out for this. Or, well, you know, I guess I've just failed. And I didn't really know how to think about that in a helpful way. And I felt a lot of shame. It was a very painful season. And I just kept trying harder and thinking, you know, well, maybe if we try this or that or try harder or work harder or have more quiet times or try a new approach to the ministry or, you know, I kind of was left with that sense finally after a year where we quit. We just quit because we were discouraged. And then afterwards for years and years and years, just not really kind of understanding, you know, what went wrong and mm-hmm. not really understanding that and not really knowing that. And so I've been thinking about that because, you know, now we've got, we're talking to these young couples that are in the same place we were, different churches, but, you know, basically having the same kind of experience. And I'm so grateful because now I'm able to look back at a time when I didn't think God was with me and I didn't think he was doing anything in my life. And I thought, well, I guess I just made a wrong turn here and it was a bad decision. And now I look back and I have a different perspective on that. I'm like, oh, God was teaching me something. He was training me through that difficult experience. I learned a lot that now I make use of often in ministry. And and it's so now something that looked so disappointing and discouraging has become very fruitful all these years later in our ministry to pastors and their wives. Yeah. And at the time we didn't know how common it was to get worn down by ministry and to entering into a new position with great excitement and enthusiasm and high ideals to be really helpful. And we're, you know, we're bringing the best we can in the way of Bible study and teaching and exciting events to get everybody together and build the community and, you know, all this kind of thing. And, you know, we really rearranging our lives and investing so much to, to care for the young people and then to just get discouraged time and again with low turnouts or sometimes having negative feedback or just give a, a great community event or, or teaching and it's not appreciated by that many people. And it's just, it can really just leave us with our tail between our legs there. Yeah. Or feeling like the church staff doesn't appreciate us, doesn't realize how much we're giving, how hard we're working, you know, feel like we're just marginalized. Or the flip side, the expectations are impossible. Or they don't like the change we're bringing because, you know, they like the way it was done before. There's a lot of temptations there. And I know I tended to feel 
like we were just alone in that. And the young people I talk to that are in these positions often feel that too. Because so often the way a church staff is operating is it's, it's, the focus is on the ministry and the numbers of building up that ministry and getting more people involved and getting people taking their next steps. And of course, all that's important, but it's so easy to lose sight of the fact that, well, we who are doing the ministry, we are people and mm-hmm. we have feelings and we have needs and we need to be in community. And if it's not safe for us to be learning and processing and experiencing things, then how are we going to really grow this thing. And so you end up sort of hiding your struggles, right? That's right. Yep. And trying to put on this brave, heroic, you know, front to continue to show up with a smile on your face and do the best you can. But then you leave and you're discouraged and you feel alone and you feel like God's abandoned you. And then the other thing I did is I, I would look at other college pastors and compare myself and feel like, well, they're doing it and they're getting all these results and they got this big fruitful ministry. And so there, that would reinforce again that, well, I guess I got to either try harder or I guess I'm just not cut out for this. Mm -hmm. I failed. Well, I was just talking to a pastor the other day who's a a seasoned pastor Mm -hmm. and he was sharing how in his ministry program, it's a intensive spiritual formation learning program that previous year he had 25 people involved in this and, you know, really, growing and it was very exciting. And then, then the next year, uh, there was only five people that participated mm-hmm. in this intensive process. And, you know, it was very discouraging for him and it's mm-hmm. the same program. And, you know, he did the same marketing and all that mm-hmm. and, and just wasn't able to get as many people to come. And so, you know, he's questioning himself, you know, is Lord, where are you in this? And, you know, should I be continuing to do this? And what, what am I doing wrong? And yeah, then comparing to other people who are doing their discipleship programs and more people seem to be participating in that and yeah so then it's hard to know how do we know when we need to just persevere in doing good as scripture says be not weary in well-doing in due time you'll reap that harvest Mm -hmm. and when is it that there really is something there that we need to recognize that well god may have something different leading us differently yeah you know as we're talking about discouragement and how prevalent it is my mind goes to the lord's words to joshua when he was taking over for Moses, right? And the uh, Israelites have been wandering in the wilderness because of all of their discouragement and complaining and uh, fearfulness, and they just weren't ready to face the giants Mm -hmm. and to cross over into the land that God had promised to them and that was rightfully theirs back to Abraham. And so the Lord says to Joshua, when he becomes a new leader, he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God, that's Yahweh, your God, will be with you wherever you go. And yeah, I think we can hear those words, and of course they sound great, but we might misinterpret them to think, oh, I should just deny my feelings of disappointment or weariness or frustration or discouragement. Uh, And that's not what the Lord is saying. He's saying, look, I'm with you. I want to understand what you're struggling with. And I want to walk with you now, take my hand, let's work through this together. And the other thing we might misunderstand is to think, well, that's just kind of me and God. I should just kind of go off into my prayer closet and work it all out there. And well, that is a good thing to do, but we also need to be in community. And even in the great story in Joshua one here, you just go on to the next verse and it talks about Joshua talking with the officers of the people and he's, he's meeting with them. He's working with them and they're dealing with this as a team. And we can be sure there's a lot that's going on there between the lines, behind the scenes, in the way of of processing and praying together and 
building community and camaraderieship and then going out now and working with the people to help them get up their courage and their preparedness now. Okay, here's how we're going to proceed. Yeah, so you're saying it's really important we don't give in to that temptation to kind of isolate mm-hmm. and shame or just kind of think, I just got to buck up and try harder, or I guess I should just quit, but that we really look for an ambassador of Christ, somebody who can listen to us, empathize with us, be with us in the kind of the valley of the shadow of death that we feel like we're journeying through in those discouraging times in ministry. Well, what you're saying is a real key here that I think we want to really emphasize in Soul Talks because sometimes we get the idea that encouragement means like, you know, giving advice or giving a pep talk or it's kind of like the football coach at halftime, you know, win one for the Gipper, you you guys can do it, you know, and just kind of stirring up all this fervor. And maybe that's a kind of encouragement, but that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about something that's more relational and it's compassionate and it's gentle and there's a a withness, an emotional, personal togetherness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, being with somebody like a spiritual director who can really provide you that holy listening, listening to you, listening to the Lord, the Holy Spirit, looking for what God's doing in your life, even in this time of discouragement, and how to participate with that or respond to that or what his invitation is to us in that time. So when we were college pastors and we were starting off with just great enthusiasm and we were both in graduate school in psychology and we were bringing what we were learning and uh, which included, of course, uh, Christian ministry things. And we ended up just getting so worn out that after a year we gave up. We resigned. Yeah. Yeah as much as we knew and we had each other, but we didn't really know where to go and how to work that through and didn't have the, the resources. But uh, you were telling me that you had a conversation with a pastor's wife, uh, that she and her husband are really in this situation. Mm-hmm. And so tell us more about that and how you're able to walk with her and help her through this. Yeah, well, thankfully she reached out and she said, help, I'm hurting. Mm-hmm. And so I was really grateful for that and privileged to be the one she reached out to. And then I think the other thing is, you know, when we are in these situations and we feel like we hear often from people we work with, you know, they're manifesting feelings of anxiety. It's an anxious time for them. This isn't Mm -hmm. going the way I thought. And Mm -hmm. what do I need to do differently? And, you know, I'm trying what people are telling me and it's not working. And one of the things that I said to her is, well, yeah, you've got a lot of emotions about what you're experiencing, the rejection that you're experiencing from people that you're trying to minister to, the grief over losing partners in ministry, Mm -hmm. which is another thing we hear from constantly from pastors and their wives, how much it hurts when somebody leaves the church, somebody that they loved and trusted and who was volunteering with them Mm -hmm. and was key to their ministry and was just a good friend. And we hear that so often, you know. Yeah, they've invested so much in these people, discipling them and and spending time with them. And on the one hand, they feel compassion for why they left. But on the other hand, they just feel so betrayed and abandoned and hurt Mm -hmm. and grieved and they don't know what to do with those emotions. So to be able to let themselves be honest with God in prayer and talk to the Lord and express, you know, journal about the grief that they're feeling and the anxiety that they're feeling, the pressure and the responsibility that they're feeling, or even the anger. Lord, where are you? I feel abandoned. I feel alone. I feel disillusioned. What is this? Is this really what you want me to be giving my life to? It feels so insignificant. Mm. And so to be able to to find some context to process those emotions healthily through journaling, 
through prayer, through exercise, while at the same time, you know, giving voice to maybe some of that aggressive, angry frustration, getting out some of the anxiety of feeling like you got to fix it. Those things can be really helpful. And then also looking for safe people to share it who can really listen and pray and contain some of that emotion. Well, and when we go to someone to share, we so often get what people think is encouragement, but it's more like fixing and try harder and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I think sometimes we need to be able to ask for, you know, I just need you to be with me on this journey. I just need you to be with me and remind me I'm not alone in this season. I need you to help me to find where is God with me? Can you see what God's about, what he's doing? Mm -hmm. Can you help me hope in the Lord rather than this pressure that, oh, it's not so bad and cheer up and try harder. It's such a great point to ask for what we need. And a lot of us are hesitant to do that. And yet it's a fundamental teaching of Jesus. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened mm-hmm. unto you. And in other places, Jesus teaches this and connects it with prayer. Mm-hmm. Asking God for what we need, but also asking one another. So he also connects it with community and, and relationship and so forth, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount. So we can ask somebody, you know, can you listen to me? Mm-hmm. I just need to be understood. I need some empathy. And that clues people in, hopefully, not to give us the pep talk or give us, you know, uh, advice as a Band-Aid or, or a Bible verse that's going to, like, fix everything. But just to really listen and care and be there with us. Yeah, it's hugely helpful and encouraging. And then I think the other thing, too, is we need to be careful not to listen to the voice of the accuser of the brethren who just comes in ruthlessly with all these accusations about you know, trying to take you out in further discouragement. You're a failure. You're not good at it. You caused this. If you'd been more, they wouldn't have left. Or, you know, if you'd been more, they wouldn't be rejecting you. Or, you know, all these different, if you were better at this, you would have doubled in your numbers. Or all these accusations. And we need to realize, well, we do have an enemy that tries to discourage us. And we need to be able to identify that, you know, sometimes we need to rebuke those lies of the enemy. And also to not underestimate the power of perseverance in doing good and keeping the course and trusting that God will work this for good and, and that years later we may be able to see what God was up to, the good of that, like you and I have been, that we weren't able to see at the time. I think every pastor, every person that I've talked with over the years struggles with self-criticism and maybe doesn't put it in that category and doesn't realize that there's spiritual warfare involved with that, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And that's where community can help awaken us to that because sometimes we can hear that in somebody else. Yeah, authentic community that, mm-hmm. that's gracious and, and, and life-giving. Wow. Well, Bill, will you close us by praying for these pastors? Happy to. Father God, we just pray right now for those listening to us, all kinds of pastors and people in ministry, small group leaders and parents and grandparents and those running their business and doing it as a Christian, seeking to be a witness for you, and people in the nonprofit sector, all kinds of church workers. Lord, as we do our work, we sometimes get discouraged because we're not seeing the results that we would hope for, or we're not feeling appreciated. And I always pray, oh God, that you would help us to know that we're not alone. And when you say, do not be discouraged, what you're saying is, because I am with you. And I love you, and I believe in you. And so help us, Lord, not to be weary in doing good, knowing that we will reap a harvest 
and help us to keep holding on to your hand, Jesus, and help us to find safe people who will listen to us and pray for us and help us to be that kind of a person. Lord, remind us all that the best way to find a really caring, empathic friend is to be that kind of a friend to others. And thank you, God, for the great privilege of serving you. It truly is an honor. And, and all of us would say, well, yeah, this is, is my joy is to be your servant, to be uh, a shepherd of souls. You entrust people into my care that I get to, to minister to and pray for. And, and we love to do that, but we need help and we need friendship along the way. So we commit ourselves to you in Jesus name. Amen. Well, friends, we hope you've enjoyed this edition of Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. We invite you to our website, soulshepherding.org, where you'll find over 700 free resources, including these Soul Talks. You also can find our newly published book, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke. Until next time, let's continue our conversation with Christ.